Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Two Half Squads. It is the one and only podcast on the net dedicated about 100% to the greatest game in the world. Advanced Squad Leader. We've heard from uh, good sources that it is still the greatest game in the world. Absolutely. And we concur. We're here for another rollicking, frolicking, rousing hour of or so. Rock and rolling. Yeah. Rats. Ramblings. <laughs> and we're glad everybody is here because my gosh, Dave, there are so many podcasts out there now. I mean, you could, there's a podcast about a pimple, a pimple on my nose as its own podcast. Yes. That's amazing. But there's, there's one other one about ASL. A has podcast? It, I, yeah. I had a couple episodes, I think. Really? The rest are YouTubes. We had that conversation before. Yeah. Yes, we did. Clarify. Somebody's not doing 100% Squad Leader podcasts, are they? No, a lot of good gaming ones. So yeah. I'm sure our listeners are familiar with them. Yeah. I mean, it's just so many. I don't even listen to that many gaming podcasts anymore because there's. I want to listen to the one about the pimple on my chin. <laughs> <laughs> And it's only fascinating. So much time. Yeah. I'm always amazed uh, going on YouTube and just kind of browsing around and exploring all of the nutty stuff. That, and I get sucked in. I am not you good do. at that. Yeah. I, I, I'm easily sucked in. You're, you're good at avoiding the social media suck in? Yes. Yeah, I don't do any social media. Yeah. And I feel pretty good about that. But you will go down some of the YouTube rabbit, rabbit holes. I do. I definitely do. Yeah. But you you have pretty good self-control. Yeah, although you got me going to that. Uh, I, I still haven't watched the short clip. No, I did watch the one you sent on the phone. A Frostgrave. Oh, yes. A miniature skirmish game that I got Jeff into playing a little bit. Yeah, that was fun. We didn't talk about that, I don't think. Did That's we? what you've been playing lately. Yeah, we played Frostgrave. And there were two people. There were four people at the game. And two people are sure that I have played before and I have no recollection, <laughs> but it was a very good game. Yeah. It's a skirmish game, miniatures, <laughs> and we had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And I don't, it's, it's pretty popular, I guess. Uh, yeah. Moderately for, yeah. that's not like, um, what's the giant one all the kids do with the crazy minis with the cool rule book. Uh, oh, Warhammer. Warhammer. Yeah. Yeah, not to that level. Yeah, but it's got a nice place amongst its amongst the players. Yeah, the people. I walked by a Warhammer place the other day, not far from here, and uh, I think it was next to Hobby Lobby. Yep, right next door on the corner. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, and I could you could just feel the dark cloud over it of death <laughs> and destruction. So I, I didn't go in. I didn't feel like I needed to gird my loins for that. Yeah. But you've been out and about, yeah. Indeed. Where, uh -huh. have, you, where have you been? Um, to California on the, the vacation. I sent you the picture from the... The vacation. The famous beach. Oh. Well, it, it started with Laura having some little COVID, and then she had to fly separately. So it was just me and the boys. Now, as people may know, Laura plans all my vacations, as you know. I, right, I wake yeah. up and I say, Laura, where are we going today? Yeah. Ireland. Oh, how long are we staying? <laughs> Oh, it's 10 days. Okay, I'll pack. Okay. It's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. That is good. And she usually will get the rental and she'll 
get all the Airbnbs and then she'll drive them all because her, her usually her name's on her. Maybe she doesn't trust my driving. Can't imagine that that could be true. And in this case, she had COVID. So it was like time to put on the big boy pants and me and my two boys go on this vacation. And so we uh, flew out and Aaron really took over. He had the flight information. He had <laughs> going so I was Adam and I you were saved what a relief <laughs> Adam and I are just following him and I printed everything out on paper really the flight the tickets the Alamo rental car info I thought you were going to say the alimony and I thought maybe there's more oh, to the story I printed out our little shared doc where we had wrote in ideas of what to do in a itinerary mm. what if we can't get internet what if I can't access this information? Wow, disaster recovery planning. That's really good. <laughs> did, did I use any, any of those sheets once? Oh, no. No? Yeah. I mean, I handed the Alamo sheet to the guy. And he kind of going, oh, yeah, we got your name. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Go get a car. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and it was great. It was good to be just me and the boys for two days before Laura. Yeah, that would late. be nice. Yeah. yeah. Especially in California. Yeah. Landed in LA, drove two hours to San Diego, did that Balmoral, not Balmoral Park, Balboa Park. Yeah. Mm. Museums, the miniature train and the air and space, and then great taco shop, great restaurant and um, gardens and things and hiked around out toward a marsh by the beach and then back around again, then picked up Laura and continued, ended up at Grauman's Chinese theater. Wow. I'm like, Oh, I'm here. <laughs> That is wild. <laughs> I've never been here. Yeah. This is a famous place for film enthusiasts like myself and like you, Jeff, right? And yeah. I, think, I think I did tell you at breakfast, like I knew all the names because we're in that generation, right? Where we learned we're the old. early black and white things. <laughs> oh, yes. And then our parents watched the 40s and 50s yeah. films. So we right. knew Cecil B. DeMille. We knew. Yeah, we knew all those people. Yeah. Lana Turner and. Yeah, and you know, you think about it, that's a yeah. long time ago. I don't know why I picked Lana Turner of all people. <laughs> I don't think she had had a concrete, you know, there's the stars, but then there's the concrete with the handprints. Oh, with the handprints, right. Yeah. yeah. And um so so and you were in great. Southern California. And this I I I was worried about you actually <laughs> the entire time because California was having that torrential rain thing going on. The yep. entire time you were there, but you didn't have any of that. We, Aaron, again, helping to plan the trip around the weather. Wow. So, you know, we, we knew to pick indoor things and outdoor things. Yeah. And so he said, let's flip this and let's do that today instead. And yeah, we had a couple of days of sunshine and uh, cloudy, a little rain. But on the rain days, we moved from museum to museum or that kind of thing. Yeah. It worked out great. And as you, as you saw, we went to the the big event for me was to go to i think it's called uh, I yeah know, what is National it called dome something but oh. it's on the beach it's the scene where i sent the picture to all the groups of me on the beach shot from above on the cliff pounding the sand and reenacting that final scene from planet of the apes yeah that was huge it's funny and that i sent huge. that photo to the daryl game group and he said I said, what am I saying? And what's happening in this picture? And what am I saying? He said, I lost my contact somewhere. <laughs> and then Rick was like, I know if I dig deep enough, I'll. <laughs> Finally, Chris Walter says, darn you all to heck. Yeah. <laughs> they did it. 
You, you know. blew it up. And then Justin was like, oh, I thought this was just a caption contest. Are you really there? Is that the real place? And it's kind of cool, but the, the boulders that fell off on the side, and that's where they put the statue. Mm. So it oh, superimposed. So at first I saw that, and I think, there weren't, this was not right. This is not right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, and then Adam looked on his phone, too, and I noticed the surf sounded similar, believe it or not. And then Adam, watching the clip on his phone, said the same thing. The surf sounded the same, same as in the movie. Yes. From listening wow. on his phone as he was helping to prepare the picture angle, and he shot the picture from up top. So that's cool. That's the, a big deal. There's seal rock, you know, and we went up where they hang glide off the coast, and we hiked, and I know I'm missing uh, Warner Brothers on Sunday. Oh, okay. And that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And, of course, La Brea. Oh, La Brea. <laughs> How could I forget? The tar pits. Yeah, that was Monday when we flew out. Yeah. You can do La Brea in a couple hours. Museum's fantastic. And did you yeah, get the, the tar off of your clothes? And you no. It, well, in fact, we lost Aaron there. He went down. He, He's under there. I told him, don't climb over that fence. And he well, went right yeah. down. So, <laughs> I'll find him. He'll be preserved. <laughs> in another 100,000 years? Yeah. How long ago? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> 20,000 years. That, uh, the whole trip sounds fantastic because so many yeah. of those things are etched in my mind too. When I was in, uh, I remember in, in science in like fourth grade, the teacher telling us about the La Brea tar pits yeah. and digging up and finding all those bones. And I was just enthralled. Yeah, it's cool stuff, that. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And what you been up to? But I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you made it back. Well, I've, I, I haven't been traveling, so I didn't have any of that. Um. But I've been uh, waiting to do episode 313. Well, this is it. This is it. And this is, what did we say was interesting? Oh, this is episode 313. We're going to talk about journal, journal 13. 13. And right now it is 746. So it breaks everything. The 30th, which has ah, a yes, three. That's a three. Of, of January. Of 2023. And there's another three. Yeah. So you numerologists out there, figure that all out yeah. and tell us what we're supposed to yeah. do. Are we supposed to play the lottery now? I don't know. So ASL, what you've been... ASL. Uh, yeah. Um, Have you been playing? Yes, Dave and I. Yeah. Um, Continuing through your... Yep. I think it, he and I got to record like in the old days after we play and do our yeah. own quick synopsis. Yeah. And then we'll air that. Okay. As of what you play lately. Yeah. I haven't played anything. All I did was after we talked to uh, Doug last episode, I loaded Vassal on my new oh, computer. Yeah. So at least I got that far. And Vassal, Vassal and Vassal. And you're Loading playing Twilight Vassal. Imperium. Wednesday. I will be playing Twilight Imperium on Wednesday, yeah, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, with me. With you, that's right. Okay, well, I'm still looking forward to it. <laughs> That'll be fun. Yeah, I signed up again. All righty, we've got uh, some contest winners, don't we, Dave? We do. That's exciting. I always like that. Although we don't have the winners yet. No, we're going to roll some dice. We are. We're mm-hmm. going to roll some virtual dice, but we're going to let everybody watch. So let me just share my screen here. And I'll give you the rundown of names. Number one is Mark. Number two is Gordon. Three is Andy. And then Olivier, Adam, Richard, Brett, Robert, Zeke, Rick, Doug, and slunt. All right. Can you see my screen? That should have been 12. 
No, I'm looking at the list of names. Okay. <laughs> Should see it there. Let me know when I do. Ready. I see a giant DD dice roller. We're going to use the DD dice roller from dnddiceroller.com. <laughs> Thank you so to cool. them for doing this. It looks so cool. So without much without further ado and without much fanfare and with very little uh, interest or excitement, here we go. I'm going to roll 1d12. Here we go. Seven. Number seven. Number seven is? Number seven is, uh, make sure I start at the top. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven is Brett. Congratulations, Brett. You are the winner. What is he going to get? He's going to get covered. The new scenario pack from Broken Ground Design. Excellent. Covered. Thank you, Broken Ground, for that generous contribution. Oh, he included his address already in his entry. Oh, good. <laughs> so I'm going well to should. email him yeah. and say, you are a winner. All right. And now we'll do the next well, one. Well, you know, I feel two. so bad, Jeff, that the, well, the other pack is, is Dave Timonens. I feel so bad for all these other entrance people. Oh, yeah. But let's just steal it from Dave Timonen. Well, he hasn't picked it up yet. Yeah. Okay. Back with him. He who Let's hesitates is lost. Let's give it away. He'll probably forget. And he'll probably forget. Yeah. Yeah. And if he does, if he doesn't, you can distract him with something, a card trick or something. All right. Let me clear this out. We're going to roll another D7, uh, D12. I'm sorry. Let me just refresh the screen to get us way back to the beginning. I'll pick a D12. Uh, yes, I'm oh. going to accept the cookies. Okay. But if we roll seven, it's a reroll. That's right. And here we go. And no complaints from you people about probability or something like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> yes, please. We don't understand that stuff. No, not at all. Here we go. Drum roll. Five. Five. Five was? Survey says? One, Mark. Two, Gordon. Three, four, five is Adam. Congratulations, Adam. Covered. You yeah. guys got to remember to claim these on your taxes. We are not responsible for sending out any 1040, whatever they are, 1099s. So please do pay your taxes. Now we have kind of a sad contest uh, turn of events, uh, but it's going to turn out good for somebody else. So when we did the Manila contest, which is where you had to call in and leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Yep. Uh, we had a bunch of very nice entries there. And Alan Hume, our friend from Scotland, won. In spite of us normally not wanting to ship overseas. Ship yeah. overseas, that's a Dave thing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very expensive and it takes a long time. And as we will, as you'll hear in just a moment, it is fraught with danger <laughs> and unknown outcomes somehow it's screwed up and yeah. it sat and then it got shipped back so alan said yeah that's fine um so we're gonna draw again we're gonna draw again from that same group uh-huh oh uh, and brett, brett replied awesome i'm glad i won he just he already got notification oh, it's instant communication it's so exciting yeah <laughs> All right, and so we're going to roll a D6 because there are six entries left now Rob, for John, Manila. John. Okay, go ahead. Right, here yep. we go. Big drum roll. Not that big. It's kind of annoying. Here we go. Number four. One, two, three. 
Rick Nanansky. Oh, Rick. Rick, you have just won Manila. You probably already bought it. <laughs> but I will try to email you and let you know. Yeah, let us know. If you, uh, if you don't want it, we'll, we'll pick somebody else. You are the winner. Yeah. All right. Congratulations. Well, you know, Jeff, I still feel bad for everybody. How about <laughs> we auction this off? It's a contest show. How about this? Oh, yes. Winter Offensive bonus pack 12, is it? No. Nope. Oh, number two? Yeah. Number bonus pack. Yeah. Two. Thought, yeah. Number two. This thing is so rare, it goes for $486 on eBay. <laughs> wow. It has a map, it has scenarios. And one's by Ken Dunn. We just interviewed him. Yeah. So to enter this contest, simply send us an email with the with the subject line. Uh, we won't make you call in on this one. Okay. Like whoa. Whoa. W O. W O. Like whoa. Whoa. You can say whoa something else if you want, but it's yeah. gotta be W O. How about whoa, Kenny? <laughs> I'll just woe in something. All you surprise right, us. All right, yeah. We don't want to make this too hard. Sometimes our contests are way too difficult. And the deadline for this one is soon. People, you, some people get on these. So we're going to post 15th? this around the first. Yeah. And second. And February 18th. Let's have it before the next show recording. No, that's too soon. February 18th it is. All right, February 18th. I picked a number. Superb. So email us, whoa, W-O, in the subject line to the two half squads at gmail.com. And we'll enter you in our next exciting contest. Love you for participating. All right. And? Letters. Let us go to letters. Sounds like time for letters. Time for letters. And I would like to thank some of our fine listeners for subscribing to us on YouTube. Richard Kerr, Steve Petrus, Lloyd Bonagura, M. Rogers, Nikki Bowler, Dumbo1914. Thank you for subscribing to us on YouTube. And we're sorry if we offended you. By mispronouncing your name, especially yes. Bogger, I think it's Bauer. Oh, yes, probably. Do you have a thanks, Jeff, to anyone? Uh, I do. Let me just uh, stop sharing the screen mm. and flip over to the letters. And sorry for the delay there. Jabo or Jobo. Jobo Felt says. Fat. Oh, Fet. Yeah, I've, I'm on like zero point font. Jabo Fett says, I might have to start integrating Battlefield Integrity to my chronological playthrough. Thanks for another great episode. That was a very interesting episode, I thought. Fantastic. Integrity. Yeah. Good for you, Jabo Fett. Let us know how it happened, how it uh, works out. Yeah. Let us know if you like it or not. Yeah. Uh, I, do, I know Rich Spilkey refers to it in the Journal 13 also oh he does okay mm -hmm. good and i'd like to say thanks to jeffrey myers for your kind donation to this show to keep us going and they don't have to be kind donations we like donations <laughs> they don't have to be kind they could be mean <laughs> you can write i hate you guys yeah 
I'm giving you a thousand dollars to stop doing this show. Well, <laughs> we would stop for a couple of weeks. Yeah, you didn't months. say how long stop meant. Yeah. And here's one from Alan who says, three great people all in the same place at the same time, talking 100% about the greatest game ever made, pure ASL kismet. Catchy title, too. I think he's referring to show 312, wasn't yep. it? Yep. Yeah. About uh, Vassal. Uh it was fast. Yes, I think so. Looking forward to listening to this. However, the episode is not showing up in my Apple podcast app library. Jeff, Dave, any ideas? Yes. Alan, check again. Yeah. Then it, I went in and fixed that. Yeah. Okay. Is it, okay. We, had, we had a little technical difficulty there, which happens. Thank it happens you, on these high quality programs. The more high quality they are, the easier they are to mess up. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll try to be our careful. Competitors careful. are trying to interfere with us. That's it. We got hacked. A conspiracy against us by the government and just all kinds of things are yeah. trying to slow down it's the terrible. production of this show. It's a terrible thing. Well, the wardrobe said, I don't think we can measure the value of the vassal. Vassal has brought to the thriving of war games. True. Very true. And Ruben wrote in and said, Vassal's fantastic. I mean, started ASL just in front of the pandemic it's cool that he escaped the pandemic because he was running in front of it in front of it yeah he, he circled the world avoiding yep. it yep having started asl just in front of the pandemic i have been playing on vasal almost exclusively for two plus years i cannot thank doug and all the contributors contributors to vassal enough for what they do to allow me and so many others to enjoy the greatest game ever great interview and they, presentation they are unsung heroes those mm -hmm. people In the presentation part we are recording aren't we jeff yes. is <laughs> sorry just deleted all that stuff out of the letters is that great youtube portion that he presented to us using oh the, yes the video sharing his screen yeah yes yeah that was very that good kind of show so yeah. that is letters which gets us to now we're going on to dun, da, da, da. oh, it's time for what o is in o the box o. What's in the box? What could it be? What can it be? Why it's ASL Journal issue thirteen. Wow. You know what that means. Next, you, the next issue will be fourteen probably, uh, and out soon according I, I to. How, I know how Perry is about these things. Okay, keep it running, but I'm going to edit this out. I've lost my Zoom screen. And four windows, one. You look behind this. There we are. He uh, said, I know how Perry is. Uh, 14 will be coming out soon, according to Perry, also. Yeah. And, you know, I just loved getting this, Jeff. And it seemed a little steep in price, perhaps, but, you know, the cost of things and i love just sitting down and reading from a magazine again on my couch ah, the physical product in my hands yeah this issue was 64 and is 64 dollars on the uh, mmp website and pricey yes but value yeah a lot yeah a lot of value and you have gone through it i haven't uh, yet touched it I'm still waiting for my issue. Yes. And um, 
if you write an article, you get one for free, Jeff. I, you know, that's an idea. I could write an article. There is the umpire's view, a great look at all the upcoming stuff, mm -hmm. which I didn't highlight. I forgot to highlight anything, but I think we talked about a lot of this. Oh, Primus. Um, hmm. <laughs> hmm. I should have highlighted some of this. This is a video where uh, watching a man read his magazine, which is fascinating. Twilight of the Reich is coming, a mini module on oh. the late war in Europe from Bill Cirillo. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Featuring new urban boards, factory and rail yard overlays, and new counter standardizing late war SS Volksgrenadiers. Oh. Counters introduced in Drop Zone. Yeah, Drop Zone is going to have a, a set, new set of counters too, which I learned by reading this fine publication. Octun. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're re-releasing some of the bridge things, and there's the Marco Polo bridge, and so on. Hatton and Flames. Now, reading this article, you will um, want to read it before you play. I, and I enjoyed reading it, not even going to be playing. So they have a nice enough map. Kind of hard to read the fine print on the hexes. Oh, yeah, I'll bet. It was really small, but... Get out your magnifying glass. What is the full title of this article? Hatton and Flames Campaign Game One Impressions by okay. Gary Bartlett and Mike McGrath. I always like those. Mike, we need to interview you for this show. Please contact us if you yeah. like. Or if somebody has his address. Absolutely. Yeah. Shoot that over to us. He please. goes way back. Well, no offense, Gary. We could interview you too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just I know anytime I see an elder name like Mike McGrath, yeah. it catches my um historical sense of asl and so on so it talks about the map at first here and of course you could see it and then they talk about some of the special terrain they then go through the advantages and disadvantages german american and so on and i think they're talking about the campaign because you're purchasing things they make recommendations on what they like to purchase and why in the OB, I like this quote. Remember, this is a campaign game, so don't go too crazy on day one. We want you to be aggressive, not insane. Mm. We trust you to know the difference. Wow, not sure that's wise. <laughs> and it's, it, it almost taunts me. It tempts me. It tantalizes me to play crazy. Yeah, the deal is the Americans need to fall back. Yeah, they're getting reinforcements later. My so, troops never fall back. German day one, they have a little list of what they like to spend on their purchase points. Other than beer and wenches. <laughs> yep, because those don't help you a whole lot on day one. No, no. <laughs> That's later on in the they day provide five. a soothing bomb, yes, as you're bombed out. <laughs> Recommendations for American setup. And again, I kept referring back to the map going, oh yeah, look, that's above the rail thing. And that, that looks, oh, there's a nice line of sight and things like that. Talk about the tank destroyers and the setup. American turn one, it's into how this building is really key to the defense, the opening and day two German attack, what that might look like. And it ends. So... They didn't finish 
out because it's a long campaign game and they don't need to tell you everything, but that's enough to really get you started. And that might be a good interview with both of them to talk further at the same about time. at the same time. Oh, yes. That would be very interesting. Yes. You're right, Jeff. Yeah. We'll work on that. Yep. And then next up, we have a not so free parking evaluating hold down positions. Ah, excellent. Bye. Phil Palmer. Thank you, Phil. We could talk to Phil. Yeah. Um, he does a analysis of the hold down versus a oh, whole hits versus turret hits. Here's a little graph, you know, and then hold down chances of getting hits at various dice ranges, dice rolls, whatever. Um, Phil is one of those people we, we depressingly call smarter than us. <laughs> and he's really looking a lot to it. Is it better to have the plus three versus the hull down? I would have automatically just thought, no. It's always better to be hull down. Yes, I would That means so. if you get a hull hit, you're behind a wall. Right. Bounces. Yeah. And thinking it's got to be a 50% all the time. Well, the math doesn't work that way oh. always. And one of the things he found, really, one of the conclusions, I've highlighted a little section here. Let me read this to you. Um, when he's talking about the hull down, the advantages and disadvantages, things to keep in mind. Um, with To hit numbers of nine or above, hull down appears to be more effective. Or to hit numbers less than or equal to eight, um, case Q appears to be more effective. A similar chart made for wooden buildings, plus two. And the breaking point on that graph is to hit number seven. So if the to hit numbers are low, TEM is better. Mm. When to hit numbers are high, hold down is better. Oh. So I guess if you're further away, your to hit number's higher, right? Right. All the modifiers you could take into account. Um, what other advantages, though, this is what I like, too, does hull down have other than making the hull incapable of being hit? Well, there's usually no restrictions of your covered arc changes firing from hull down, as there would be in a building or woods. Oh, true. Right? Yeah, right. Uh, no deliberate immobilization attempts versus your vehicles. So there's some games when you're playing, and if you're thinking, oh, the opponent's going to have to do a deliberate immobilization, or DI, as we call it. Yeah. <laughs> we do. Go hull down. Okay. Right? Because, um, and there are disadvantages to being hull down. Can you think of any offhand oh, compared to being in a building? You can't show off your hull. You can't. You, you got can't. a pretty hull nicely shined up. You can't. Yeah. Nobody's going to see it. And if they did that artwork on it, yeah. Or they don't like go yeah, to heck Hitler. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. Or for Stalin. Right. You can't show that off. No. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't ever go hull down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of my hull. Disadvantages. What if they go around the side of the wall? Oh, well, yeah. You're not getting the you're plus right. three for the building. Right. And you're not getting the hull down. If you're in the building, you get the plus three still. Yeah. Right? Right. Uh, if outflanked, your AFB could become vulnerable. As we just said, concealment right. is automatically lost when enemy has a line of sight to your hex. Unless the other terrain in the hex is concealment terrain. So okay. 
Uh-huh. Most often it's just open ground behind the wall. Right. So you could lose concealment from just gaining line of sight. Similarly, unless the hex itself is concealment terrain, the dummies could not set up there. Oh, okay. If you're using yeah, dummy right. tanks, you want to. So non bow those are those are very good points those last two yeah aren't they yeah <laughs> yeah as i'm just... thinking about that i think oh yeah that's right never would really think of it I yeah guess. i guess i never unless... would uh you know unless i mean what i like to try to do is read up on some particular nuanced little uh part of the rule book before playing a scenario but that's one i never do all down i don't think i ever have yep goes along with a lot of those little things. And if we have those concealments, switch them to the larger tank concealments, which mm-hmm. is the thing I used to never do. Right. Do yeah, me neither. So non-bow mounted weapons cannot be used if the firers hold down to the target position. Also note the AFE has inferior turret, if it has inferior turret armor, hold down may offer less risk than re- reduction than case Q. And he does some advantages also, but you're going to want to read it. You're going to want to read it. Get to the nitty gritty. Then what I really like to is when they look at specific scenarios. So he takes a look at this ace in the hole and talks about the Pershing versus the tiger. And he does kind of a spilky thing. You know how Rich would have in the desert, he would have his tanks figured out what the ranges they get the best hit numbers on. Yeah. Again, red versus black or whatever. Right. And so he does that kind of thing here. He talks about both vehicles, Tiger versus the Pershing, and Ace in the Hole, ASL scenario 199. Um, that both vehicles have about the same AP to kill number, 20 for the Tiger, 21 for the Pershing. The Pershing has an impressive A7. Now remember, A was the armor piercing, whatever, CR or DS, or whatever, special ammo. Basic to kill number 27, while the Tiger has no APCR in 1945. Oh. The Tiger has weaker frontal hull armor than the Pershing, but interestingly, both have the same frontal turret armor. So looking at the defensive setup, there appear, appear to be many options regarding the where to park the Tiger in a building, hull down behind the wall, hull down on level two, where you have to roll to get the hull down. Um, or... So he then analyzes. So he, again, looking at that comparison and then analyzes the best way to do this kind of uh, setup and battle. And then he does a breakdown here of the to hit number and then the chances of getting the elimination on the tank, getting the stun, all those kind of little things on the first shot, second shot, and so on. Very nice. And then liberating Bessarabia, he takes a look at that over here. Scenario 113. Oh, there's a 13 again. Another 13. Wow, it's like a thing. And then a little scary. It's the the duel of the tin cans setting up these little tanks, BT 2As versus the LT Feezy 35, which is an act. Al Axis minor vehicle. And there are 13 of the BAs in this scenario. And there's 13 of the LTs, Jeff. What? And this happens on July 13th. <laughs> okay. Now I now I can tell. 
You're pulling my leg, Dave. So he does the analysis of these two vehicles again, firing at each other with the hull down or with the plus three for a building and some more cool analysis. And to summarize, he's again kind of, well, I won't summarize it. You can read it yourself. There's the tips from the trenches, which I noticed are much longer these days. His people are oh, more yes, they are. experienced. Remember, yeah. they used to be like two sentences. Two sentences, yeah. You know, I think it ruins it. If you know the game too well and you know a lot of the, the uh, mathematics behind it all, it takes the fun out of it. That's why I refuse to read in great detail some of these articles. I find, too, if you understand the rules too well, it's like no fun. Yeah, it's no fun. Yeah. Yeah. It changes it from just a just a total complete crapshoot to uh, to something that's more deterministic. It's more fun to uh, yeah, just make stuff up. Yeah, like I say, Dave uh, just handed me this, so I'll read some of these advanced nuggets. These aren't just nuggets; they're advanced nuggets. It, this is an article <laughs> called "Advanced Nuggets Two: More ASL Rules I Didn't Have Right" by Paul Sidu and Rich Spilkey. And you'd think you'd think they'd have it all right <laughs> by now. And I remember quite a while back, well, a long time ago, I did a whole page of things I learned when rereading the rule book, and it's time to do it again. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have any excuse now because I've got the electronic AS ASL rule book, and I've got a nice uh, tablet reader. I could be taking that thing everywhere. I need to start doing that. You could. Yeah. Stop reading the, the, you know, and now I can't remember the name of the book. Oh, uh, I'll quiet on the Western front. No. Uh, the last lion by Winston Churchill. Yes. No. <laughs> okay. A 4.44. A good order unpinned infantry single man counter in the same location as a friendly infantry unit that surrenders or is eliminated may immediately attempt to recover one of that unit's support weapons slash guns, regardless of phase and without any movement factor expenditure. What? Yeah, they're killed? Is that eliminated? Uh, surrenders or eliminated. Okay. So they get vapoed, KIA. Yeah. The weapon sits there. I think there's a check to see if it survives the weapon on that. Yeah. Uh, yes. But then you get, the leader just picks it up. Yeah. So for example, a single man counter moving with a flamethrower toting half squad may immediately attempt recovery of the flamethrower if that half squad is eliminated during the movement phase. And if successful, that single man counter may fire that flamethrower in the advanced fire phase. I wish Tim and I were still playing all those. Um, That's amazing. Into the rubble scenarios with a lot of flamethrowers in there. Yeah. Here's another one. I'm obviously not going to read all of these because you're going to want to buy this magazine and read the rest. But these are some tasty nuggets. Here's from uh, rule A8.221. While a malfunctioning machine gun's firepower may have an effect versus its intended target, it will not leave residual firepower. Okay. So if, if it malfunctions, it yeah. may leave a, have an effect, 
but it will not leave any residual fire. So I have a squad four firepower, medium machine gun four. I take an eight shot. It's still an eight with the malfunction. And I think Dave, Tim and I lately. We always just think there's no effect. Yeah. No, we leave the four. Oh, you leave the four resid on. Then we just flip the weapon over. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. So there's, there's, yeah, but I guess think of it right. Like what I used to think on the first shot. Right. But then resid represents further shooting. Yes. You know. But if it malfunctions, how could it further shoot? And it wouldn't count on further shooting. Great way to remember it. Yeah. Um, Here's a rule A15.2 and A17.2. If a hero is wounded after having spent greater than three movement factors in the movement phase, it becomes pinned even though heroes are typically not subject to pin results. This affects tank hunter heroes too. Yeah, I think I did it with hero regular heroes, but tank hunter heroes just have them stop moving and not have them be pinned. So maybe I'm getting that wrong. I don't know. Uh, A16, battlefield integrity is rolled for each time the 10% level is reached. Well, that's the way we taught on our show. Uh, one of them says he thought, I thought it was automatic at each 10%. No, rolled for. Yeah, rolled for. Okay. And uh, last one here, A25.222. A commissar, this is also G1.41 and W7.31. Remember that. A combination of rules. Yes. Getting the concept. A commissar or Japanese leader or CPVA political officer may not try to recover a support weapon from a broken unit in the rally phase. Sorry. In oh, the, yeah. Yep. Because they have to rally. As they must try to rally, as they must try to rally the broken unit instead. And they can't do both. Yes. And I think Dave and I've been doing that. Well, I don't know about the trying to stop and get the weapon from them, but you get those low morale factor broken guys yeah. in the commissar, and then they have to go to the next lower quality until they're half squatted and gone. Yeah. And I was like, do I have do I have to try and rally these? Yes, days? yes, you do. <laughs> like, I think you have to. So like, sorry, can I just you must move rally. the commissar out next turn and move in the nine yeah. one leader? Because yeah. I was losing so many squad peoples to the so I love those kind of things. Yeah, I just love them because I love these too. They put together those little ideas sometimes from multiple rule sections. And, yeah, and you're like, oh yeah, am I doing that right or not? So I gotta reread the book and so what else do we have here to cover today? Show's getting close to the 45, 50 minutes mark. Well, yeah. Um, oh, this one, chapter G, rule 13.13. Oh, let me think what that is. Um, no, go ahead and tell me. <laughs> it's the unlucky mortar rule. <laughs> um, you don't need to read that. You never have an unlucky mortar. Yes. It's unlucky no. for me. Yeah, often. There's another long tip from the trench. And a look at this map. That's interesting, too, how they developed this stuff. It's pointing out what a slow, dull trip it's been. A history of Board 77. How it was manufactured. Ken Dunn wanted to do this action pack. 
Oh, they looked at it. There weren't enough scenarios. So anyway, they release it with the Journal 13 and has a couple scenarios that use the board in here. So I kind of like a little look at the behind the scenes thinking by the creators. Here's a, a, a less lengthy tips from the trench. Let's see what that says. Okay. It says failure to roll for contact maintenance is considered a voluntary loss of contact only if the observer has no line of sight to the spotting round FFE blast height. As long as you have such a line of sight, you may move your observer in the movement phase and reestablish contact in the next defensive fire phase without losing battery access. And they happen to have that on the page with radio contact essentials. essentials. Ah, by our very good friend, Rich Spilkey. By Rich Spilkey. So we'll end this show taking a look at this article. And then next show, maybe pick up with uh, the others and maybe we'll do a little box art review on the front amongst other things. Yeah. Huh? Look at the scenarios too, I suppose. So one thing, Rich does is the analysis. He's, he's hearkening back to the Medro as he spoke about all this on our show before. Yes. So he kind of did a little preview of what's happened here. So I won't review a lot of that. But it does point out how the mission, if an OBA fire mission typically takes three successful contact maintenance die rolls. The first radio contact to get the spotting round on board. Second successful contact or maintenance die roll attempting to move the spotting round to where you need it. And the third successful one will often be able to convert the spotting round to an FFE one. And so, yeah, keeping that in mind, that, Factor alone, Rich put onto a chart with the probability of maintaining the radio contact with the neg one, and you get it in those cases. Our battalion mortar with the neg two. Um, and then he does not include that into the analysis. Second impressions, some probabilities pertaining to OBA draw piles by Rich Spilkey. This one he also credited. Well, let's see. I put a little mark here. Rich found the two articles match up where they overlap with no inconsistencies. He's been developing players' aids and analysis for a number of years. And we're glad to bring some of his work to a larger audience. And that was referring it back to Medro's article in the general long, long ago. Were we ever that young, Jeff? I don't think so, Dave. <laughs> Sad, but true. <laughs> and so Rich takes the, um, oh, I sorry, uh, Chris is the other guy, Edwards. Chris Edwards, thank you very much for your mathematics co um, contributions. Yes, I know that was essential. Yeah, I remember that he talked about that yeah. on our other show. So again, I shouldn't do too much here, but uh, I know he wrote this here, knowing this information might be useful in a campaign. So, so what, what's the point of knowing this? In the campaign games, when you're able to buy um, your OBA you know, right. with, com with campaign points, as right. you said, you don't want to waste them on the cheese and the crackers. That's right. <laughs> um, you hit, can get a pre-registered hacks and so on. You can purchase things like an extra card. Mm. in some campaigns a black card <laughs> by the red one um, yeah 
That's something I would do. I so, like red. So that's a good point. There are situations that we don't do a lot of campaign games, right, Jeff? Right. Uh, and, and how that affects your probabilities. Some of these columns make a, a larger jump. And then breaking it all down, expected number of fire missions. And the other part of this you'll want to read, uh, well, he calculates it with six chit draws and then with 12 draws depending like how long the game might go and then he mentions the pleva or do you say pleba variant and so that is this concept we've mentioned before on the show that's becoming more popular the variant um doesn't do the permanent removal of battery access access after two red chitras and a quote is from Steve Pleva. I think it's Pleva. Every time you draw a red chit, put it back in the draw pile along with another red chit. Battery access is no longer lost due to drawing two red chits. Meanwhile, the extra chit draw mechanics of C1.21 remain the same. And so along those lines, the variant also alters the malfunctioning radio repair rules by allowing a malfunction to radio to repair on a die of one or two. Ah, yes. Yeah. And removes the possibility of permanently disabling the radio on a six. Which, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't help if you fix the card and then let the radio be Broken. out of the game right away. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, at least this helps to, to bring that back in. And then he writes here a cursory look at a glance at at the greater than or equal to one fire mission row of figure nine shows the probability of getting zero fire missions is less than 1% for nearly all potential draw piles. This certainly seems to fulfill the objective of minimizing the chance of not getting a fire mission due to drawing the two red cards. So he's calculated all that out, how that's going to help in, the, in this situation. Mm -hmm. With all the charts you need. Yeah, and that's rich, what yeah. Rich does, right? Yeah. Gorgeous. Yep. And then the next article up would be Jim Bishop offering like four or five other ways of correcting your OBA pile. Oh, okay. You can have little variations on all of those different, uh, on the Steve Pleva method. And then some Korea stuff I want to look at next time. Uh, we'll take a look at that next time. And so I can tell I'm going to need a very large Dunkin' Donuts coffee when I sit down to read that article. You will. Actually, I'll read kind of quick. Does it? Because it's got a lot of cool graphs. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think it's great that Rich got published on that because I know he put a lot of work into that. And a lot of you propeller heads are going to find that fascinating reading, I'm sure. So, and we'd love to hear your feedback on it. Mm -hmm. We'll pass Indeed. that on to Rich. We should have Rich on the show. We could have Rich on the show. <laughs> it's kind of cool oh we did already about yeah. that topic yeah <laughs> well i think that's uh about all the time we have yeah, for it's tonight, gonna be about Dave. 55 minutes almost that's, an hour that's gonna put uh, number 313 in the tank ready to go not for not gonna flush it and i guess we'll see you all next time we'll see you next time and remember to roll low and rally well. But, but now when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.
Yeah, it works so much better on a Zoom. Zoom in the same room than on a Skype. Oh yeah, I think so too. Skype interrupts the. Can you both talk at the same time on Skype? Yeah. Nobody will hear you, but. 